Welcome to Indie Insider, presented by Blackshell Media. This is the weekly show where we talk with video game developers and professionals about their stories, their advice for others, and their thoughts on the indie video game industry. I'm Logan Schultz, and on today's show, I sit down and talk with Rocky Kev, founder of the Serious Game Devs Only community and creator of the bite-sized educational video series for game developers. Rocky shares his story with me, and we chat about tackling debt, video game apathy, learning from your mistakes, overcoming introvertness, time management, and much more. As always, if you have thoughts, questions, or ideas on what we should do next, shoot me an email at logan at blackshowmedia.com. You can also find the most up-to-date news on the Indie Insider Podcast on Twitter by following at Logan A. Schultz. And now, Rocky Kev. Welcome to another episode of Indie Insider, and today I am talking with Rocky Kev. Rocky, how's it going, man? Doing awesome. So thank you so much for bringing me aboard. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to you. You and I have been kind of chatting for a little while now, um, and you've got an exciting new project that you want to share on the show today. So let's go ahead and just start right at the beginning. Tell me a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do. Sure. So I run the Serious Game Devs Only community. Um, it's a group of indie developers that we chat via email and uh, often do kind of live chats as well. Uh, and mostly on the focus of business education and marketing. Um, it's currently what I'm working on as a side project uh, around that is a series called Bite Sized. Uh, it's currently on YouTube and that is kind of one of my passion projects of instilling business education to any developers and kind of providing that as a resource so game developers have, I guess, a stronger background to work with. Sure. So just this last week, I was talking with uh, Rich Vreeland or Disasterpiece. Um, not sure if you're familiar with his work. He's a, a video game composer. And we were talking at length about um, the business of working in the video game industry, especially as a freelancer or an indie developer or any sort of indie work um, and representing yourself. So that's such a big aspect of what people have to do to be in this industry. So I'm excited to pick your brain about those topics. Um, tell me a little bit about Serious Game Devs Only. What is this community? So one of the things I've discovered as an independent game developer prior to uh, what I do now was that it was this kind of mindset of, you know, you create things and then people will come. You you know, people will find you. And there was not enough of the, those kind of understanding of like, oh, you should also do some marketing. And it's very vague. Like you should put yourself on Twitter and you should make a website and make a trailer. And, you know, just like doing all those things will not magically make fans come to you. There was more to it. And there's just that disconnect of it where no one wants to talk about the meat and potatoes. They don't want to talk about the how the sausage was made. They, they, it was just this kind of big picture. You should be doing these things. And that's what we've been doing. We've, as any developers, we make trailers. We make lots of marketing material and are still struggling to find things. So when I started really approaching it from a different angle, the business side of things, I noticed a lot of people raised their hands and said, yeah, I'm having the same problem. 
And I just don't really understand kind of that business and marketing side. I just know that this is what people are telling me to do. I don't know why. And so that's what Serious Game Devs only is about. Uh, people who kind of have that like-minded mindset of, we need to think about business. We need to have a kind of a profit first mentality because essentially if you're not, if you just want to make art and that's totally fine, you can. If you want to make video games and make a career out of it and put money, uh, you know, have money to support yourself and have a roof over your head and continue making video games, there needs to be a perspective shift. So I'm very grateful to have a lot of people support me in this kind of uh, direction of serious game devs only. And, you know, like I, again, I, I welcome everyone. There's, there's a bunch of creators and artists who want to make artsy games, but then are realizing that, oh, I also need to learn a little more. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Give a little more context to this. How how did you end up creating this community uh, in the first place? And is this something that has kind of always been in your mind as you were uh, joining the industry? That's a great question. And so if it actually kind of starts way, way back um, when I was an indie developer. Um, back in this is almost 10 years ago, uh, a partner and I, we met in art school and we were both super passionate about video games. And this is, again, 10 years ago, prior to a uh, indie game, the movie, prior to uh, the green light and Kickstarters. And we just knew that we wanted to make a video game. Uh, we were both super passionate. Uh, we were serious about launching and we were huge fans of Smash TV and Loaded and all these overhead shooters. We were setting out to make uh, a game called Alien Hunter for the PC. And we were just working every hour of the day. We uh, didn't have a job, so we just kind of saved up and every penny we could find. And like game developers in the 80s and 90s, you know, you, who were small teams, you got to spend money to kind of make money. Um, so we did spend a lot of money hiring people to set up our business entity and pay for flights to uh, meet with publishers and uh, kind of like, you know, get assets. And we, we maxed out our credit cards and started getting loans. But... We just absolutely needed to know that, you know, we have to make games. We have to publish on the PC ourselves. And um, do you kind of know what happened in 2009 for uh, video games? Uh, I mean, fill me in. Sure. So in 2009, the App Store came out. And what kind of apps were making, like, millions of dollars? Like, fart apps. So sure. you had these apps that were selling for 2 to $3.00. And this like huge gold rush of, of really terrible apps that were just making millions of dollars. <laughs> and we were crushing ourselves trying to publish for the PC. And we were like, what are we, what are we doing, man? <laughs> so <laughs> I, have, I guess I have, uh, Logan, how, how many times like have journalists reported the death of PC gaming? Oh, constantly. It's endless. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Just, just over and over beating you over the head with it. And so, again, there was just so much of, like, why are we publishing for the PC? Why are we doing all these things? You have these kind of solo developers making millions on fart apps. And we're crushing. We spent two years focusing on building our game, building Alien Hunters for the PC that we said we got to make it for the App Store. And uh, we were inexperienced at that in that space where we just didn't really know what we're doing uh, for, for app development. And that's kind of where we went. Um, so we combined... It was a rush job. It was a lack of skills. It was severe debt. And we published and it got a lot of bad reviews and it was taken off the market a few months later. 
and like wow. I was crushed. Yeah. Because you know, I, <laughs> I had this like perspective of, if you know, if you build it, they will come, and that's not true. That was a complete lie. And two point five years of just pouring my heart and soul into this this project that was like, nope, you got nothing for it. And um, I'm 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 like envisioning developers who hear the story and are laughing like, are you serious? You're cr- like, why'd you think that was gonna work? And again, like this was like two thousand nine, you know, like pre indie scene. Um, but yeah, so actually I got out of video games um, in general at at that after that. Give me just a little bit more information. So you you met your partner in art school. Did you know that you were going to make video games? Is that what you had gone for? I went to school for art school uh, because that the city I was uh, raised in, uh, Philadelphia, there's no video game scene. Um, we didn't, like arcades disappeared in 2000. And so the next best thing in art school was animation because video games need animation. So I went to school for animation and we both had me and my partner we met in class and we're like we need like there needs to be something here uh and when you look at the history of gaming um in the 80s there was again no steam and what did they do they they just scratched and clawed their way out and just made games and kind of fought against the grain and just published so we knew we had to do that too and the um are are you familiar with the book uh the masters of doom you know what? I know the title, but I don't think I have ever read it. Okay. So it's like the history of um, of id Software and John Carmack and John Romero. And, uh, you know, that's they were just a bunch of kids who were just really talented. And we, were, we looked at ourselves like, we're like them. We're the <laughs> Carmacks and Romeros. We can do this. We can be id Software in our, like, city that has no gaming scene. So that was a, kind of our, our driving force. Um and, you know, uh, it didn't work out that way. We, we weren't as talented. So the motivation was there. The intention was all there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still ended up kind of crashing and burning a couple mm-hmm. years later. Mm-hmm. And you said you pulled yourself entirely out of video games. What did you do? So um, my partner and I had a falling out. And I uh, I felt it was only fair that I take on all the debt. I felt completely responsible for for even pushing this dream on him. Um, and so when you're kind of in debt, you you kind of hustle. So I worked at, I worked 90 to 120 hours a week, three to four different part-time jobs, doing kind of everything from like rolling burritos and uh, being a door person at a restaurant and a bus boy. And, um, you know, I, I went to school for animation. So I worked uh, in graphic design and animation for like, like super low time to dollar kind of ratios just because I just needed to get out of debt. Um, and because of my kind of experience and, and what I built, uh, I was able to kind of work with nonprofits to teach them uh, to, to teach art classes. And also they learned that, oh, you made video games. Teach that to the teenagers. So I taught video games uh, to nonprofits and, and middle schools, um, you know, just how to create games. So that started kind of my path of just climbing out of that hole. So do you mind if I pick on that just a little bit? Because I'm curious. Sure. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of people out there, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know how difficult this is to talk about, but there are a lot of people out there who go after their dream project and try and claw their way up and do the thing that they want to do and make the thing that they want to make, and they end up incurring a lot of debt. 
mm-hmm. uh, by doing that. And, you know, you really attacked your debt head on um, and kind of hustled to take care of that. But, you know, how how was it dealing with that debt? That's not something we've talked about on the show before, but it's <laughs> definitely something that happens. Um, and I know for me, you know, I have student loans. I have some things that I'm still paying off. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's difficult in and of itself, let alone, you know, taking on the debt of, of your dream of a company. Um, can you talk a little bit to that? Sure. It's debt is, it's, it's, it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying to have that feeling of, do I, do I buy things that help me, uh, move my business forward or do I put food on the table? And, you know, the sacrifices at that time I made were like, I need to not, uh, I need to live in a, I need to live, I need to survive. So it's really, it's just, it's just kind of putting my head down and just, just keep pushing, um, and finding, uh, ways to claw out. I don't, I don't know how to, uh, express that in actions. Um, but you know, I didn't play a lot of video games at that time. Like it was, it was just, let me just keep moving. And I think what also helped, even though I fell in love with gaming and I I thought that gaming, uh, being a game developer was everything, um, that crushing blow of failure just made me question everything about life. Uh, because if essentially, if I can't be a game developer, then what's the point of living? Uh, so I lost my hobby. I lost, um, I, I just kind of lost a lot of the things I, that drove me forward but the next thing that drove me forward was how do i get out of debt because i know that somewhere along the lines i'll figure it out but right now this that's the main priority uh, that's the main goal get out of you know the negative tell me a little bit more uh so you're hustling to pay off your debt you've started teaching um you know you're working so much what happens next and where does serious game devs only come in Cool. Okay. Um, so somewhere along the lines of um, kind of, of of just finding whatever odd jobs I can get, uh, one of the jobs was an office job. And uh, Logan, have you kind of ever worked in an office before? Oh yeah, of course. I work in an office now. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and then then you kind of know that uh, your job title in an office doesn't actually relate to what you do, right? Of course. So. I, in this office job, outside of grabbing coffee and, and taking care of whatever emails that the bosses tell me, I had a hand in marketing. I had to help them do kind of whatever, the, the grunt work. And having a background uh, as an artist, like, I, uh, are you familiar with the stereotypes of artists? Well, uh, what do you mean? What do you think? Like, um, you know, like... Uh, with art, you create art, you make art. Art is your heart and soul, and capitalism is evil, and making money is disgusting, <laughs> and if you make good art, people will come. Like, are you familiar with that? kind Of, of course, yeah. <laughs> so in art school, that's what you're drilled with. Um, and, well, so I hated marketing. I, I think it's, I, I thought it was just disgusting. And, and when you think of a marketer, you think of, like, that car salesman or uh, the guy calling on the phone trying to, like, pressure you. So while I was doing this marketing, like subconsciously, I, I think I was trying to sabotage it, you know, like, ah, they're disgusting. Like, I, I don't want to help out with this, but I'm doing it because I need a paycheck and I need to kind of, you know, make, like put a roof over my head. 
So then I discovered as I was kind of helping the, the, the marketing side of things, who was I marketing for? I was working with artists, comedians, musicians, authors, people who were creators, they were makers. And my job title, my job role was to get them fans, help them build an audience, put them on shows, make them money. You know, how to help these makers make money to to provide for their family, to, to make money to continue what they love doing. And suddenly a light bulb hit like, oh, I'm not a sleazy car salesman. I'm a guy who's helping creators that, that are just like me, like make it out there. And then I just realized I've been incredibly just going at it the wrong way, that marketing is not a necessary evil. It's a tool. It's utilitarian. Uh, it's a system, a process. It's something that you use like a hammer or a paintbrush. And knowing how, you know, and it just marketing is something that you want to use because it's, it's a system that like uh, it's marketing is connecting a product, uh, maybe a song or writing or or in our case, a video game with the right people. Like it's, it's not selling ice to Eskimos or uh, like making um, an artsy indie game and trying to convince a League of Legends fans to buy it. It's it's about making the gamer who fell in love with like a Stanley Parable to fall in love with your project, which is also a first person story based game. And that's kind of the what I that's the that's the connection I saw. And I guess the point I'm trying to drive home is like, if you knew something that was very important that can improve someone's life, wouldn't you want to share it? That's marketing. Well, and that goes back to, you know, what you were talking about, just about teaching in general, you have this marketing information that you want to share. So please don't let me interrupt your story. I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I I think that was the the big scope of it. So yeah, I um once I kind of discovered that that was what marketing was, I knew I was completely just going at the wrong direction with my own projects that I was focusing on just making good art and not actually asking the real question of who wants this. And that re revelation was like just extreme and that's when that passion kind of grew um and then i i was like oh then this will work for everybody and you know uh, when you work with a large company you learn how to market like a large company and there's there's really a kind of a, a there's not much alignment that small people can do that large companies do because they don't have the resources and for the next few years um again i'm still out of the uh the video game industry for the next few years, I I worked directly with uh, small businesses. I worked with directly with freelancers and uh, the creators, the musicians out there, the authors out there, and just said, "Hey, I I need to know more about this whole marketing stuff. I've I've got it backwards. Can I work with you for free or with you know uh, a small percentage of your sales just for the experience?" And when you kind of offer something like that to a creator who again who wants to just make good art and wants to um, make money from what they do like that's that's a huge thing and for, so for the next few years that's what I worked on I worked at big companies and I worked at small companies at the same time just hustling and trying to figure out what what is the connection and then around 2016 uh, I had a bunch of indie developers um, who I met at GDC and, and other places they said Rocky you know where have you been? <laughs> and that's kind of brought me back into the indie developer scene, and especially in uh, I'm just I'm just I kind of had to like remember 
why I loved video games. And it wasn't, you know, me trying to put my heart and soul into uh, my projects. It was because we tell great stories. Indie developers tell the best stories that AAA studios are, are ignoring because they don't see, they, you know, they, they, they see what works and they just want to continue doing that. And suddenly I'm like, okay, I have to, I have to figure this out. I have to help indie developers share their stories. I have the skills now. I have the understanding. I also have experience being that person as an indie developer. Like, how do I make a bigger impact? You talked about kind of um, falling away from games. You were so busy. You were so focused on other things that you needed to do um, that you kind of fell away from video games and even developing video games. And I think that happens to a lot of people in this industry when they hit hard times or they need to focus on a different priority for some time um, and they fall away from things. But you, uh, I guess, quote unquote, found your way back home. Um, perhaps, uh, you know, <laughs> what would you say to those people who, um, are struggling right now and who have kind of fallen away from games, but still have this passion somewhere inside of them and, and maybe want to get back to it at some point? Well, I, I first want to commend them for listening to this podcast. Cause that tells me that it's a sign that, you know, you know, where your heart is. Um, if you've fallen off, but you're still listening to something like this you know there's something inside of you that you want to uh, kind of let out. And what I would kind of share is that many times, um, I the, the, the bigger reason why I fell out was because my expectations were kind of, they, they were just made up. They were just this assumption that if I do X, then Y happens without any proof or any validation or any, like, it's, if, if you wrote it on paper, like it, it looks crazy. Um, <laughs> and so that's the real kind of, kind of heart to heart question. Uh, any developer has to ask themselves, what is your expectation? And I'm not saying aim low, but I'm also not saying like aim for the stars, like be realistic, find the proof that if there's something you're working on, you know, and you're selling and you're saying that it's going to make you a hundred thousand dollars. Tell me where the proof is. And if you can't, kind of find it that's this is the whole point it's the research it's finding that market research it's finding uh, games that are similar to what your games are and seeing how their history uh kind of how, what, what was their history was did they get a bunch of sales from this did they through their experiences are there other games that are very similar to that that also match those kind of projections like it's all about finding that proof and kind of thinking with that business mindset as opposed to uh uh, if I make it, they will come or making assumptions that don't actually reflect reality. That kind of goes back to something you said just a bit earlier, uh, which was kind of that idea of making real art versus, you know, who actually wants this. Um, do you think that was really the downfall of your first attempt at indie development? The, <laughs> and I still feel this way um, to this day because I still haven't found a really good overhead shooter. There's an opportunity there and there's some, uh, there's developers out there making really great overhead shooters. Like, tell me I will buy your game immediately. And I, I often do because uh, everyone sends me overhead shooters. I, I've told this story many times at, uh, in, in uh, groups and settings, and they always share a bunch because I, I love it. But um, it was my biggest mistake uh, was less of 
of not finding the opportunity, but more so just telling the right people. I put it on the App Store. I thought that Apple would take care of everything. I, when they, you know, they, they, the, when the views came out, I didn't listen to the audience and say, oh, I have to fix these things. I just said, oh, you didn't get it. There was just so many red flags of me not just paying attention to the market, to the audience, to everything. It was me not telling, uh, was not sharing the game in the right places. I just kind of blasted it on any any area that would give me attention. Um, so that was that was the bigger mistakes I made. And if I was to go back, I would, you know, I would talk to the people who love overhead shooters. I would find fans like me. And say, hey, am I going in the right direction? And having those conversations, that's kind of the the, the lowest hanging fruit that I could, could have done to have made uh, you know Alien Hunters a success. I think one thing that is so difficult for developers in this industry is learning from your mistakes. Um, because I think that so often, and, and this is true probably outside of the video game industry as well, is that we think that we are going in the right direction and then we end up crashing and burning because we can't see, you know, the mistakes we're making or what's in front of us. Um, and that's that's just a natural part of, I guess, you know, working on major projects like this. But I commend you for finding a way to be so self-aware and and learning from your mistakes and also taking that and helping others through your serious game devs only community and now your new project. Which, do you want to talk about that new project um, a little bit? Tell me a little bit about... Um, was it bite-sized? Awesome, definitely. So one of the missions of that I'm kind of like, this is my personal mission, is to kind of help indie developers learn from my mistakes and learn from the mistakes of others through bite-sized. Uh, and bite-sized is short bite-sized videos that provide real-world marketing strategy and education to busy indie game developers. Uh, Everyone in the series game devs audience, uh, my audience, we're 30 plus year old developers who have families and have a life and we also want to make video games. So time is a huge issue. And so Bite Size is these tiny short five minute videos that provide kind of high level education that I've gained from kind of working with businesses that you know you might expect from like an MBA program or, or running your own businesses and just quickly gaining all that knowledge uh, and then absorbing it and understanding it so it becomes second nature so game developers can focus on when they build their games, kind of using that process and build games that people actually want to play as opposed to making assumptions. So you sent me the link to your um, new bite-sized project, Mm -hmm. bitesize.org, bite with a Y. And it, I mean, it looks awesome. I'm curious though, you're not putting in ads, you're not asking people to donate, you're really just putting these videos out to help people, um, which mm-hmm. I think is very honorable, but how do you make that a sustainable project? Definitely, and it's funny because I um, I frequently talk about like, look for the profit and look for um, where the opportunities are. And here I provide a kind of free, uh, no fluff, no ads, like no need to donate kind of philosophy around this project because there's still a disconnect here. And the disconnect that I find, that there's, there's a divide where on the far end, um, you have your 
major AAA studios who have the resources, have the budget, have the full teams. And then on the opposite side is us, the tiny indie developers who are overloaded with so much marketing information that they pick and choose and then give up because of frustration. And because of that kind of uh, clutter, there's a kind of a mentality of, oh, I'll do it later for marketing. And we really need, like with Bite Size, my, my, my goal is if you can understand the business part in the beginning so you can build the games, so build games that are sustainable, then you're more likely to have a marketing need later in the future, right? So instead of saying that, oh, like, uh, I'll figure out the marketing because there's so much resources, that's that's kind of, I don't know, I, I that's... That's way until the last minute, and then if you have the resources, you what usually happens is you hire uh, a PR company to do that stuff for you, and then hope for the best. And I, and many times these PR companies, they are, they're working with very little because they're just handed this project and then expecting to make magic out of it. So if I can train and educate earlier prior to even the the prototype then everyone uh, as a whole wins indie developers make better games uh, companies that do promotions have more clients because they have better material to work with everyone kind of wins from this it's a very positive way to look at um, education in the in the industry and I'm I'm so happy that I get to talk to you about this because you are just a passionate guy, a driven guy, um, and I'm thrilled that you are putting out projects and supporting communities um, in such a positive and informative way. So thank you for coming on the show and sharing all of this. Um, again, you uh, have sent out the link to me. It's bite-sized, B-Y-T-E-sized.org. Uh, for your new video projects. And then, of course, how do people become members of the Serious Game Devs Only community if they want to um, learn more from you and, and from others? Definitely. Um, you can visit SeriousGameDevsOnly.com. And it's one of those projects where I I wish I was more flashier. <laughs> but to me, that's a distraction in terms of the core uh, belief where, and this is not like a a smackdown on anyone. It's like my goal is very focused and maybe that's kind of what got me out of, you know, the $20,000 in debt was just I'm very driven and I focus on kind of the minimal minimal viable product. And so you visit SeriousGameDevsOnly.com and you see, um, you see like, oh, this looks like a weird blog post or whatever. But that's not where the magic is. The magic is inside when you join that list and you have those email conversations with me and when you get invited to a uh, private Zoom room to have a conversation. Like, and it's not flashy at all. And, you know, that's because that's, that is that is it. That's, yeah, hopefully I answered that question. <laughs> you did, you did. You did a great job. So, Rocky. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. What is the future for you? What does the next five years look like? And what do you, I guess, what direction do you want to head in next? And, and what does the future look like for Rocky Kev and for your communities and your projects? That's a great question. Um, my hope in the next five years is that there is a much stronger level of uh, business education for indie developers, 
either through me or through the many, many amazing markers I met, uh, you know, on this journey. And that with much more education and understanding of how to run a business and how to do your, how to get more profits from your indie games, that stronger community that is all making money, that essentially it's, there's, there would just be better stories out there for everyone. Um, oh boy. <laughs> um, you have referred to yourself as an introvert, um, and yet you've come on to a podcast to talk about yourself and your story and your projects. Um, and there are a lot of people in this industry who are introverts. And, you know, you're on the show talking about marketing and um, putting yourself out there, the business of it all. How do introverts in this industry find ways to push themselves forward and push their boundaries and, and get their game out in front of people? Definitely. There's um, a concept known as the zone of proximal development. And the way it looks like is think of a circle and then think of a bigger circle around that circle. So the smaller circle is your comfort zone. And where you need to be is outside of that comfort zone, which is the zone of proximal development. And in that zone of proximal development, you kind of need the support of other people to continue pushing out of it. You need help with, it could be friends, it could be uh, other game developers, and this is why I'm so passionate about you know community building. Uh, you need someone to have a conversation with because essentially that that introvertness is not going to help you. It's all bottled up and it's all mental. But when you start meeting other people who are like, oh, you know, we, we are all kind of in the same place, in the same spot together, you know, your comfort zone expands, you get better at it. Um, I only, like, I had to teach uh, classes and I don't, like, that. that's putting, that's you're on the spot. But because of the support of many staff members, I, I was able to. Um, same with what I'm doing right now. Like I'm, I'm not a big fan of being on camera and talking about uh, marketing as a in a general way, business in a general way. But because this is what my serious game devs only community was asking for and repeatedly asking for, it's like okay, then I need to kind of push out that comfort zone into the zone of proximal development with everyone's support. I feel like I can do it. And that's kind of how I fight that kind of barrier that that any kind of limiting belief I have. That makes sense. So you mentioned that, you know, you were going to conferences, GDC, um, and that's part of where this community came from and how you got back into game development. Um, keeping on the topic of being an introvert, how do you and how did you find ways to step outside of that and network and build an entire community um, around, you know, the things you're passionate about? Um, for GDC and kind of networking in general, um, I'm very similar to you, Logan, where I'm, I'm just, I'm very fascinated by what everyone else is doing. And so, and, and everyone has a great story to, sh uh, to share. Like, I, and this is what makes me probably, uh, I don't know. I think it's a very big distraction, but I, I can't help it. Like, whenever I meet a game developer and they tell me about their game, I'm like, I'm, I'm sold. Like, take my money, <laughs> you know. And because, and you know, it's not a good spot to be in because 
I, I frequently buy games and I don't even play them, but I'm just so fascinated by the story. I'm so fascinated about what they do. I'm so fascinated about everything. Um, and they're just like all of us. We're just trying to make cool things. And so I forget that like, oh, I, you know, the, even being an introvert, it's, I, oftentimes I, people who share the like, oh, I can't talk to people because I'm an introvert. Like to me, that's a, that's a limiting belief. Like you can talk to people, you just have to find the right topics. So that's where my, most of my networking comes from or my ability to network is just being curious, wanting to know more, wanting to connect. And oftentimes me just listening to people and being super excited about whatever they do, um, they they shared like, Rocky, you're a great listener. What are you doing? And then before I know it, I'm sharing what I'm doing and we're just kind of feeding off each other. Um, so that's, that's kind of my networking secret is just absolute fascination and obsession with... Uh, you know, knowing what people are doing and wanting to to see what they're up to, what projects I can help with. Uh, and if it comes to it, like I would love to, I share my my journey and they often get very excited and, and passionate about. One thing that you mentioned um, a little while ago is that the serious game devs only community is made up of a lot of people who, you know, are 30 years or older, uh, but who have a passion for developing games, who have a family, but still want to do this. And that time is a real issue for people finding time throughout the day to put into this, to focus on, you know, marketing. And that's why Bite Sized, your new project, is um, hopefully so effective because it's shorter, manageable lessons for people. How do you manage your time? Um, Because, I mean, I had to fight to get a time for you on this show. You're a busy, busy guy, (laughs) which is, I mean, that's great. Um, But how do you uh, manage your time when you are so busy and you have so many... Um, projects in the air, I guess. Um, I want to say not effectively. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's a very, I, I flip flop through a bunch of different systems, um, the Pomodoro technique, uh, like tracking um, through toggle. Uh, there's, there's so many different things I do and flip around. Um, but for me to be super efficient, Uh, it's just kind of have a very kind of zero to one mindset of what's the next step I need to do right now and what's the due date. And um, it's just kind of laser focusing on that goal until it's done. Um, It's not, and often the goals uh, are much more well-defined in terms of uh, for bite size, I need to make a five minute video. How do I do that? And right now it takes me eight hours to make but that means I just need to make a better system for it. Uh, and then I figure that part out. And it's it's just about, for me, breaking down the big pieces, making it smaller so I can do it and achieve it. And yeah, just or, just putting it in my calendar to do as, uh, as a task. Because if it's, uh, I heard this from um, some really great like uh, productivity managers is uh, if it's not in your calendar, then it's not getting done. And so that's probably the only thing that stuck with me, to be honest. <laughs> uh, not those various techniques, just put it in your calendar because otherwise it'll never get done. No, that's sound advice. And actually, um, one other piece of advice that you threw in there, breaking it down into smaller you know, pieces and projects and tasks, that's similar advice to what we've gotten previously on this show in regards to game development is you, know, you look at something huge, the new Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild game, absolutely massive. 
um, and people want to make their massive dream games, but you can't, how do you conquer this giant mountain of a game? Um, you know, when it, when it just seems so big, how will you ever get there? But breaking it down into individual tasks, bite-sized pieces, um, and just, and just starting from there, that's, that seems like a great way to go. So, um, that advice seems to be applicable in a multitude of areas. I also think about, um, some of my favorite games, like, uh, in, I'm not sure if you're familiar with like, um, those, those roguelike games that like they're in a DOS command box. Uh, one is ancient domains of mystery, uh, Adam. Oh yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Dwarf fortress. Like I love those games. And like, if you play them, you're like, I want to make this game too. But like ancient domains of mystery, like that game was made since 1994. This is 15 to 20 years of production. And we take it with a grain of salt and go, oh, I want to make that. Like, how do I do that? And just like, oh, it was years, two years. So definitely, um, it's, it's, it is a need for just being really super goal-oriented. Um, and I think that was kind of my big issue as well. That's why it took two and a half years uh, for my previous game to, to launch was just because it was feature creep. It was lots of... Uh, lack of scope and i don't know i i, I sense th- this the, the folks i work with they're former programmers or current programmers and and developers and they work at companies and they kind of have a really good method now of um, project management and i wish if i can go back in time and teach myself project management uh you know as, as a younger person like that'll be so great my life would be so much better so yeah it's so boring looking to learn project management but your life changes it does. It really does. And I mean, that's the only way that I get through, you know, even something somewhat smaller like this podcast, managing it week in and week out, you know, you have to stay on top of everything. And like you said, if it's not in my calendar, it's not going to happen. So um, yes, it's, <laughs> I'm glad this interview made it on. Um, and of course, we have reached the end of our show. And as everyone knows, at the end of every episode of Indie Insider, I do ask my guests to share a piece of advice um, something that's been true for you that has resonated with you recently that you would like to share with everyone else. Now, Rocky, you've already shared a ton, a plethora of advice in this episode, and I'm so grateful to you for coming on and talking about your experiences um, and, and what's been helpful for you. But is there anything else that you want to send people home with today? If there's one thing I want to share, it's that if game developers... One, one major takeaway is if game developers uh, focus less on the assumption, the hypothesis of saying, I bet people will want this, and instead focus on, let me actually ask them, to, and that's by creating a prototype and sharing it with folks and, saying, and seeing the results and validating that that works, and then moving forward, I think that will save many, many developers uh, so much headaches of the, in the future, where the most crushing story is the, I spent five years making a game and no one wants to buy it and become like me, essentially, like leave the industry. That crushes me. So if we can just, as an industry, figure out ways to make smaller hypotheses, ask the question, do people want this? How do I find, like, how do I validate and prove that this is what people want? And through frequent testing, like that, if we can just figure that part out, um, that's the takeaway. That, that's, let's do that and shift your mindset from kind of building simply building a game instead of building a business that looks for opportunities in the marketplace and make games that people want and like 
this is not a new thing, by the way. This is like app developers do this. They understood this years ago since uh, Eric Reese wrote the Lean Startup in 2011. So, you know, we can do this too. Any developers can do this. We can do it. Yeah, I believe, Rocky. You've sold me on it. Um, Rocky, thank you so much for coming on the show. <laughs> uh, it's just been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. So thank you so much. Um, if people have enjoyed this conversation, they want to follow you and your work. How do they find you and the Serious Game Devs Only community and Bite Sized? How do they find all those things on the interwebs? Cool. Um, so you can follow me uh, at www.seriousgamedevsonly.com or on Twitter at Rocky Kev. Done. <laughs> Nailed Perfect. it. <laughs> but I could have talked to you for another hour. You're, you're an intelligent Thank guy. you like for it. joining us this week. You're, Again, you're if you have thoughts, questions, or ideas you'd like to share, you can email me at logan at blackshowmedia.com or reach out on Twitter at Logan A. Schultz. That's L-O-G-A-N-A-S-C-H-U-L-T-Z. This podcast is presented by Blackshell Media a publishing and marketing firm dedicated to helping independent video game developers reach massive audiences, publish financially successful titles, and turn game development into a career. It's the company's mission to help game developers get more of what they want out of a rewarding opportunity in the game industry, more fans, and sustainable revenue to keep them moving forward. Blackshell Media also has an educational branch to their company, where they offer free articles and resources for aspiring and growing developers, which is why we get to bring this show to you every single week. You can find Blackshell Media on the web at blackshellmedia.com and on Twitter at blackshellmedia. This show is on iTunes, Google Play, and other podcast services across the web, as well as the Blackshell Media blog. If you enjoy what we're doing here and want us to keep doing it, or if you have things you'd like us to change, please go to your favorite podcast provider and leave us a review so that we can keep sharing these episodes each week with you. Special thanks this week goes out to Raghav Mather, Daniel Doan, and Raquel Hayner, as well as Benjamin Tiso over at bensound.com for the use of his song, Going Higher. I'm Logan Schultz, and you've been listening to Indie Insider. We'll see you next week.